Welcome to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast with your host, Steve Abramowitz, editor-in-chief of the Mill Creek View newspaper. On July 20th, 2020, Grant Solomon was tragically killed in a still unexplained incident in Gallatin, Tennessee. His father, with whom he had a volatile relationship, was the only witness. Aaron Solomon claims he saw Grant exit the truck, but then looked away, and the next thing he sees is the truck rolling into the ditch. Neither evidence at the scene nor Grant's injuries match the account Aaron gave the Gatlin, Tennessee Police Department, who took his word for it and closed the case. Well, there's one gal who hasn't closed the case and is still investigating it, and that's the individual we will be interviewing today. Please note, all parties are innocent until proven guilty. Howdy, I am Steve Abramowitz, and this is the Mill Creek View Podcast. We are focusing on the volunteer state and our nation today with always interesting person making a positive change in our community. This time, special guest, Lauren Conlin. Thank you, Steve. Welcome to our People in the News, where I interview people who are making an impact and are lovers of truth. Today, we are talking with Lauren Conlin. Lauren is an NYC-based entertainment journalist and host. Lauren is currently an entertainment and lifestyle reporter, or no, she was for Pop Style TV and the host of two weekly podcasts, plus a features writer for Nikki Swift Celeb, or was. You can check out Lauren's entertainment and news podcast, Lauren's Interviews, formerly Red Carpet Rendezvous, wherever podcasts are available. Recently, Lauren teamed up with 98 Degrees, Jeff Timmons, to launch Millennials Revealed, a podcast highlighting the Y2K culture. Previously, Lauren was with 77 WABC Radio's new anchor and entertainment reporter, gracing the airwaves six days a week. She also hosts a Sunday morning health and wellness show on WOR 710, or used to, I don't know, we'll find out, The Voice of New York. Currently, Lauren is a contributor to Sky News Arabia, Newsmax TV, and Compound America. She also has appeared on Fox News, News Nation, and Law and Crime. To date, she's been on the air with celebrities and politicians, ranging from Andrew Yang to Alec Baldwin, obviously a safe distance away. She even softened up Bill O'Reilly on No Spin Zones uh, News. Lauren has been quoted and featured in publications like Elle Magazine, Page Six, Medium.com, and many more. Lauren lives in Manhattan with her husband and two children. We may get a guest appearance of them today. And has communications and theater arts degrees from Marymount Manhattan College. Today we are lucky to have here her here to talk about Tennessee, Franklin, Tennessee to be exact, and her second season of the hit show Corruption in Tennessee, what happened to Grant Solomon? That is a very good question. Yeah. Uh, hi, Lauren. How are you today? Hi. I, I believe you had an old bio. I think I did. <laughs> so I said, that was I a could... little long-winded. I, I don't do all of those things anymore. But but they yeah, are your resume, you so I'm glad we at least know that you have experience and you've been around the block a few times. Um, and I probably missed some stuff. I think I missed Outlier Podcast, too. Um, okay. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. And okay, first of all, no way we can cover all this in one show. Um, yeah. I'm going to do it as probably a part one and part two, but even that won't do it. But but I want to say this. Uh, you've done this the right way, amazingly thorough, 100 plus hours from the crime scene, walking to 30,000 foot view of Tennessee, um, all allegations discussed. I've gotten a reputation for thorough myself, but you're like a dog with a bone on this. So season one was the hook and season two was the real 
I listen to all of it, every episode, even another show called Southern Girl Crime Stories. Maybe you're familiar with it, but you did 36 episodes, Corruption in Tennessee, What Happened to Grant Solomon. Um, it takes us up to November 2023, which was Grant's 21st birth, would have been his 21st birthday um, that month or this month, if I recall. Um, so, okay, you're not from Tennessee or Franklin. How do you get wind of this story? Well, Grant actually turned 21, or he would have been 21 actually in June. Um, I came back, yeah, for a quick update in December, and we can get to that later. But I, uh, you know, I subscribe to a lot of, uh, or I sign change.org petitions. They come to my email, and I, you know, I always want to help if I can. And I came across one for Grant, and I read it, and I said, there's no way. There's literally no way that, that this, happened to a family and I've never heard about it or nobody's reporting on it. So I just emailed the email address that was available and I set up an interview with Angie Solomon and um, I just wanted to hear her story. I just, and I wasn't even sure if I was going to use it for anything. I just was curious and I, I figured maybe um, I, I could air something on Lauren interviews just to help her and, and help her um, situation. And we ended up talking for about three hours and wow. I, I was on my phone trying to clear my day. I was like, oh my gosh. Um, and, and I gave it some thought and, um, you know, I'm a big prayer. I, I prayed about it. And, and there's a lot of things that I've done in my career that don't necessarily feel good. You're like, okay, should I cover this? Should I write this? It doesn't feel great. Uh, and something about this, it just, it felt right it felt like somebody needed to help and and yeah. talk about it so yeah i, I, I prayed about it, this interview it, too because the, <laughs> the topic is so large and so uh yucky and i just i i had to hear the story for myself and from you so i'm glad you're here again um yeah. here's what you just wrote two days ago on red liberty media about season two which just mm -hmm. uh launched yesterday as a matter of fact Franklin, Tennessee is a beautiful, affluent, and historic city located about 30 miles outside of Nashville. That is true. It boasts being home to celebrities like Carrie Underwood, Tim McGraw, and Brad Paisley. This southern town is a true Bible Belt community with shiny Baptist churches appearing every mile or so. Franklin, Tennessee was also the home to star high school baseball player Grant Solomon. Grant wasn't like any other teenager. There was something different about him. In addition to having the most amazing smile, Grant was mature, faithful, spiritual, respectful, humble, and a genuinely kind person. He was known for being a fierce and true protector of his mom and little sister, Angie. Grant's parents, Dr. of Pharmacy Angel Angelia Solomon and former WSMV news anchor Aaron Solomon were notably divorced. Okay, you end the writing. In December of 2023, a formal complaint was filed by a group of concerned citizens in Franklin, Tennessee, against the school that allegedly failed to report Gracie's abuse, Grace Christian Academy. The pending complaint was filed with the mayor's office, the Williamson County Sheriff's Office, and the Tennessee Highway Patrol. This isn't going away, is it? No. <laughs> I... I That was a question. Yeah, I, I don't think it's, it's going away. Um, I think if this many people are concerned or if this many people have had similar experiences at one school or one church i think it's time that something is is done about it and whether or not that's 
a police investigation, which I really don't think that would happen only because, and, and, you know, I don't want to speak out of turn and I don't want to speak uh, in, in speculatory terms, but I just, I think that everybody there is very connected. So um, I think that our hopes at this point would be, yes, great, investigate, but also do something about this so it doesn't happen to another student. So parents don't have to go through this. And so, you know, there there are protocols and steps that schools uh, and administration and, and training, it, it, there's things that they should be doing. And I don't think it was done there, judging from what I've heard, uh, what you've heard on, on record on the podcast and what witness testimonials have come forward to tell me. Yeah, I want to get into all that. Um, mm. this, this a little uh, framing, I guess, of the story because it is so hard to. Yeah, and fathom. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Is this bothering you? My my TV is adding a little bit of light, but it changes color. Are you cool with that? Is that okay? I'm cool with it. It looks like a disco okay, a little okay, bit. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh, you know, Rudy Giuliani, who the politicians are doing their best to destroy. You know, we all once called him a hero and America's mayor. Uh, from 9-11 and now a, a nine-figure judgment against him for talking about ballot stuffing in Georgia said to you, be careful, you said on your show. Why did he feel you needed to be careful with your show? And has anything happened to you personally since the show began? What, like April 16th, 2023, I think is episode one, uh, not even a year ago. Yeah, yeah, not even a year ago. He did say that. Um, that's tough. I think when you're dealing with subject matter like this and and whether you're a fan of Mayor Giuliani or not, I think everybody can admit that he is very well-versed in politics and he knows what happens in the underbelly of politics, whether it's good, bad, ugly. I think he he's very, very much aware of what goes on. And he was aware and is aware that I am speaking about certain people and um that was his message to me be careful lauren you are you are treading in in a place that is is not a pretty place and yeah that that sat with me a bit and i definitely since april of 2023 i've i've lost a little sleep of course i uh i had an incident um after i i went to tennessee and i don't want to get too much into it but i did discuss it on the podcast um and I, i'm definitely not naive but this was my first investigative story and uh after i got back from tennessee it's like there are certain rumors and i don't know where these rumors come from but it ended up with somebody uh forging a, a telegram and sending it to a law office and and this this forging was something that I said, supposedly. And that really rocked me. I was just like, I I basically figured out a way. Um, they made one tiny mistake. So I was able to be like, oh, this is how I can prove that it is forged if it comes down to that. But um, I chose not to do anything about it and not to get super worked up unless somebody came to me and said something. But uh, when I saw that the law office went with it and kind of believed this this text i was like wow this is how corruption and cover up this is how this is how it all happens um Gosh, all right so yeah well, you you did come down here so you didn't did. just do this as a keyboard warrior hidden away in manhattan island no. and, and you, you were down here and you walked the accident site right 
Isn't it true? You did. Isn't it true? Didn't AG Scarametti call it a homicide as did the state attorney in the beginning? Well, that was in an email. He, I, I believe he said it. Um, what's the word? Like a Freudian slip. Uh, he, he referred to it as a homicide and, you know, I don't even know if I want to go one step further because I haven't even discussed this on corruption yet. I was saving it for next week and, uh, and I haven't had a chance to write back, but I did write a letter to uh, D.A. Whitley that I read on uh, the first episode of season two. I don't know if you recall. I do. And, yeah. And um, I did get a response back from him. And, you know, I I'm thankful. a satisfactory response or just a response like, thank you for your notes. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, essentially, it I mean, it wasn't so much like that. But what I found really interesting uh, and again, I haven't even discussed this yet and I haven't written back to him and I don't know if he's listening. Right. Maybe he's listening. Maybe he saw my name. and He's like, oh, that girl. Um, But what was crazy to me is that my note was generally about the bad police work. It was about the lack of answers. It was about if you're a parent, would this be acceptable to you? Would you be okay with this? Not once did I mention Aaron Solomon. Not once did I mention, um, you know, Gracie Solomon and her allegations. But when DA Whitley wrote back to me, he basically, he kind of hinted at the fact that I was this conspiracy theorist. And he said, you know, I know there are so many theories out there about how Aaron Solomon killed his son. And I'm like, I didn't say that. You just said it. So hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't mm -hmm. say that at all. I was kind of going in this direction. And he did say, we have done a thorough investigation. And let me tell you, nothing is there. If there was something there, like, I would tell you. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> You guys keep saying you've done this thorough investigation. You have the public that that is like, will not let up. You have journalists, bloggers, YouTube. You have everybody here um, wanting answers. If this is so thorough, this investigation you did, just tell us what you did. <laughs> and then, right. then we'll all shut up. So why aren't you telling us? Why is this not, why is this not public? Um, I just don't, I don't buy it. And I don't sit here and say Aaron Solomon allegedly killed his son. I, I don't like it's about uh, it's about the fact that nothing makes sense. It's right. so inconsistent. And has there ever been a, a lie detector test taken or any real deposition? No, because from, they let no, him go. Yeah, no, they're like, so, yeah, go run on home, Aaron. Which run will lead that will leave conspiracy theories to fill the vacuum for sure. Yeah. And like, as much as I love a good conspiracy theory, um, I, I wouldn't spend half a year, 40 episodes on a conspiracy theory. You know what I mean? Like I'm a busy mom. I have like, you know, I I'm an independent journalist. So I wouldn't, if I didn't feel like something was very wrong here, I wouldn't have spent time on it, you know? And then additionally, as a mother and as a parent, I don't understand why more people are not upset because it could be you. Okay. Yeah. If your child is in the wrong place at the wrong time with somebody who doesn't want something known about them, I don't know, whatever. But this web of people, um, it it's it's there. These people have power and they have pull. And I just can't imagine as a mother, if my child had died in a manner of this, I want answers and you do not come to me 
and tell me that my child, you know, doesn't get an autopsy because it's our, you know, my husband said so, or um, his body is literally in perfect condition, but you're going to tell me he was dragged by a, I just, it's just like all these things don't make sense. You're going to tell me you don't have body cam footage from that day, a fatal accident. You don't have body cam footage. I mean, it's like, I just would not accept that as a mother. I would not accept that. And, and we'll get into the evidence. Should. We'll get into the evidence more in a second. But like I yeah. said, it's such a hard story to just grasp in a in a paragraph or two questions. So, uh, okay. So the family had a documented history of problems. Both mm -hmm. kids went to a, a local school here in, in Franklin, Tennessee, where they could see and had to deal with the abuse accusations. The school did. Uh, doesn't the school have a mandatory law to report any abuse and did they have other cases reported or maybe unreported it's not like the school has only been around for six months it's been around quite a while yeah i mean it's it's a state law it's a law uh, in tennessee that you have to report it even even if you don't believe it okay even if you're like this is bs someone tells you it's your job to call the authorities and let them handle it so Based on these recordings um, that I've played. I heard the recordings, yeah. Yes. I I could look at it two ways. You've got a school here. And listen, this is, people have said anywhere in any state, you know, private schools, their teachers might not be as credentialed as a public school. I know that sounds crazy, but like their training is not as um, formal as let's say DOE training. So with that in mind, listening to these recordings and listening to these women and some men who think they're doing their best uh in in a sense of oh no we love gracie we want to protect her we are just looking out for her i think it's twofold i think they thought that's that's what they were doing um they were looking out for her in in protecting her in the sense of don't let her tell her classmates because you know that will look bad on her and then they were protecting themselves because this is not a good look for a school um if you've got a parent that is allegedly molesting a child and you know so um but the biggest thing is it's it's like i'm not a teacher I'm a parent. I think their parents, I would just take that child. I would hold them and I would go directly. To the, and I'd say, what do you want to do? Let's go to that. Well, first of all, I don't care what you want to do because we're going to the police. Okay. It wouldn't be a matter of, oh, if she feels unsafe, she can have this classroom and we'll, we'll, she can have a minute in this classroom. Or, you know, we just don't want her telling other students because like, it's really upsetting them. Um, of course. But it's, it's worse a, than that. It's worse than that. It's not just like romper room where everybody's touchy feely and here comes Barney the dinosaur and we're all happy they let her go home with the accused father mm -hmm. uh kicking and screaming mm -hmm. so they didn't do their duty to protect the child from a accusation let's just say that like you said they didn't have to have a judge and jury say guilty they could just say that there's a problem here we need to deal with something I heard that recording um the school was talking about 10 and 11 year olds don't need to hear about sexual abuse literally from Gracie literally her yeah, that was too confusing, but it sounds more like people were trying to shut down getting word around, right? Like the rumor mill or something like that. Did they care more about protecting the reputation of the school and people invested than Gracie and protecting the kids in general? I mean, you nailed it and you said it. I don't have to say anything for people to listen to a recording and 
come to their own conclusion. And that is what I'm trying to do with this podcast. Obviously, I insert my opinions. I think something is very wrong with so many things in that town. I think every they want you to think it's shiny. There's no problems. Um, and, and yeah, they seem to care more about the school's reputation and, and other students over Gracie. But I'm not going to speak for them. This is just what I picked up from the recordings and from their actions. And moreover, what was mind blowing is that when the Department of Children's Services substantiated this abuse, that this happened um, to Gracie by her father, there was a no contact order or restraining order. And at one point, the school was part of it. He could not go near the school, you know, whatever. And um, he was a, a big uh, sports fan, I guess. He supported all the sports games. And he went to the judge that issued this no contact restraining order. And he said, actually, can you um, omit GCA, the school? I, I would like to attend the sports games. And the judge is like, no problem. So yeah. all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden, it's it's illegal for him to be near Gracie, but he can be near the school that she goes to. So that's when they were like, oh, yeah, we'll just get like a room for you if you feel uncomfortable or something like that. I'm like, well, I mean, some of these times, some of these, some of those times, I mean, let's just pretend for a second it's not him, not a real person, but something we've heard in the news from other places. These mm -hmm. people are usually serial, right? They, you can't be around any children. That's why there's such a thing as a, uh, uh, um, the victims have a ability to go online and see other prosecuted yeah. people that do this. So it's fine if they keep Gracie's section away from them. But what about the other kids? They're not safe if they don't know really what the truth is. And what about the parents? I'm sure they did hear about it. Didn't any come forward with stories of their own or demand for resignations oh. or anything you typically expect when this occurs in an organization? I mean, if you uh, look at the citizen complaint, which is, I believe, Leave that's on it's on my patreon and it's on uh anglicanwatch.com if you actually go through that there's yeah no there's parents that came forward and wrote emails and letters saying i'm not comfortable with whatever is going around about aaron solomon uh and and again even let's say it's a rumor um or the, or there's rumors you know about grant's death whatever but this has been substantiated <laughs> this abuse had been substantiated and uh i don't want my kid around him and, yeah, and nothing. it was a registry that i was looking for the word registry where you would have yeah. somebody who's a, a, a serial child molester i guess and they get into a registry okay uh yeah it's great so tell us about the accident or cause of death for grant and and why you thought it wasn't what police and media was told well, I think um, if you don't mind, I, I can sort of describe when I went to also the scene of the accident and how, you know, you you really don't understand. You think you understand a case um, and you can say, you know, this didn't happen that way. There is no way. Well, you don't know until you actually go to the scene. Of Just the so accident. you know, I did. I did, did last okay. week. Yeah, before Amazing. the snow, before the snow came, I went up there because I wanted to know what we're talking about and it does not look like it is even remotely physically possible to have happened as it was said in the 911 call. Isn't that crazy? Anyone who goes <laughs> there, anyone but the Gallatin police and apparently Ray Whitley and and you know his crew, they're the only ones that are like, yeah, no, it happened the way he said. What? Like what? So when I got it's like the there, magic bullet I, for JFK, it's like it just yeah, can't happen. Exactly. And when I got there. I was shocked about the incline, first of all, because 
you hear, oh, this parking lot's on an incline. Well, immediately I went to put the car that we drove and I put it um, uh, in, not in park, I put it in just drive. And it, it just goes straight down. You cannot get out of that car without it rolling. You ha- you must put it in park. Um, and so I guess my point is, when Aaron says, oh, he got out of the truck, he walked around the back of the truck to get his stuff, that truck's not going to wait for you. No matter what, that truck is rolling if it's not in park. Whatever drive it's in, it's it's rolling immediately. Um, so that big was- big truck too. It's a couple thousand pound truck. A big truck. And something else that My was- first thing indication was, because I've seen the pictures of where it really actually was. Yeah. It would have it gone right into the street. It wouldn't have stopped. Well- so that part is interesting too. See, did they fill the ditch? Because they might have filled the ditch at this point. Uh, well, I, I've, since I didn't see it back in the day, I don't really know. It just looked natural to me. But so you didn't see a rocky ditch when you were there. Yes. Oh, yes, rocky for sure. You did. Okay. So we, when I was there, and I was with um, former FBI, what we concluded was that what would have happened was it would have rolled backwards and then it either would have stopped straight into the ditch because it just would have gotten stuck Mm. or it would have hit so hard that it would have flipped. So what they tried to say or Aaron Solomon's story is no, it rolled into the ditch like this and then all the way back up, which is why you see it partially on the sidewalk and in the street where you're like, wait, so it went down and then rolled back up. It's very confusing. I, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, since we're talking about the rockiness and I, I didn't realize that the rocks I saw were probably new rocks. I saw the video of Aaron Solomon reenacting the mm, yeah. accident on the rocks, which are technically the grave site of his son. And I thought that was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. That's on YouTube. Anyone can go see that. Yes. Yep. And and that to this day, I still don't understand his description of how Grant wouldn't just roll right out from underneath this big truck. It's not like it's a mini truck. It's a big, uh, yeah, okay, you're nodding because- You nailed it. No, you nailed that too. So that was another huge thing for me when I saw the truck. We went to a storage unit. I saw his truck and I was shocked. There was so much room under that Toyota Tacoma. Yeah. How the hell do you explain- Grant's got a slim build. How He's an you, athlete. Yeah, but how do you explain him being stuck and dragged under it? I, I still okay. Think I'm going to ask the stupidest question. I wasn't going to ask this, but you did mention something in the podcast early on, and I got to thinking because I've done a lot of shows on this. Before the accident, he had mm-hmm. COVID. Mm, yeah. Is it possible? And it's speculation, of course, but is it possible that he was vaccine injured and he's one of these died suddenly guys and it just happened to be because his heart started accelerating while his truck was going down. He's probably got his whole life invested in that truck, being a teenager, not a cheap truck. And they did say cardiac arrest in the autopsy. So could it possibly have been one of these myocarditis died suddenly athletes and it just happened to be a coincidence, let's just say, that the truck was the instigator of his heart doing that. And then there's a whole nother question of why was he even there in the first place? That's so weird. Why at that time of day? That's so weird. Why were there no witnesses? That's so weird. But just let's just say for one second, could it have mm-hmm. been, could it have been a died Sutherland type story? Well, um, the first thing I want to point out is you mentioned an autopsy and there was no autopsy. So right. I think right. right then and there, we could have ruled all of that out if there was an autopsy. Um, 
could he have gone into cardiac arrest and possibly, uh, well, because, you know, he had blunt force trauma to the back of the head. Uh, could he have gone to cardiac arrest and uh, hit his head on one of the rocks? Absolutely. But that still doesn't explain how he was dragged under the car and there was no marks on his body. A hot car that he had been driving for an, over an hour on a very hot summer day in Tennessee. You didn't lose one shoe. You didn't lose one sock. There was no um, gravel on his body. There was no, I mean, yeah. how do you explain that? I it mean, is an hour. It's an hour and 20 minutes away on with that truck. Like you said, there would have been burn marks. There would have been scrapes from the driveway and the big rocks. The rocks are big, at least, well, the ones I saw, maybe they were smaller then. Well, no, the video with, it's so darn weird, Lauren. Um, okay, so there were yeah, three but, but men. But listen, he, let's okay. say he goes into cardiac arrest, he falls backwards, and the, tr the truck's going to just go over him. It's not going to run him over and drag him. He's, I, he's that's My theory was it, went, it would have went right into the street, and he would have just been laying there on the ground. But yeah, that's what, and it wouldn't exactly. have killed him. Exactly. It didn't crush it. It didn't sound like it ran over his head and squished him. It, it took, sorry to be gross, people, but there's just mm -hmm. no real physical, it, it, there's something weird had to happen. And I think that's why even Aaron said so many times, it's a God thing. It's a God thing. Like he was just meant to go at that moment, but physics didn't play out. Okay. Yeah. There's, so there, were th there were three men you there. You should play the 911 call for your listeners because that right there is one of the most telling things I think about it. The the over explanation, the um the politeness, the never going down to help your child. I mean, there's so much wrong with that that I had forensic experts, um, you know, psychologists, body I had so many people analyze that. And and that right there I think is is one of the most telling things where it's like if he if he went into cardiac arrest, like, you know, wouldn't you just turn it? Anyway, I, I do hate speculating. I really do. Um, because I, I personally think that there are enough facts there, uh, for this to be reopened again. I just really wish that the DA would share their findings with us of why they concluded this is so, yeah. um, yeah. The prosecuting attorney would have to ask these same exact questions to get to the bottom of it. You know, so on, you mentioned the 911 call, there were three men supposedly there, maybe one woman. If you listen to the 911 call, uh, the 911 dispatcher told him to go down to Grant, but he never did it. He yelled at the three people. So we know that the three people were exist. Yeah. Was there no camera or anyone near that call to witness this? Because most places are cameraed up, especially when they're doing, you know, athletic activity with kids and people of all ages. Were there no cameras or anything? Were they mysteriously turned off that day? No, there there was no cameras outside of WPI, to my knowledge. And I know that everybody kind of looked at the Google street cams, nothing there uh, either. But um, yeah, I mean, WPI, that was, that is also interesting. I would say this is where it gets a little uh hazy between the wpi employees and let's say the three men um i want to point out when their uh, journalist beth braden she's with um luna shark media they briefly looked into this case last year or yeah 2023 and she was the one who had requested the body cam footage from gallatin and they came back to her and said not available so either you know i, I took that as they're hiding it or, you know, they got 
rid of it. They destroyed it. Um, you know, when I wrote to the DA, I just acted like they didn't wear body cams. Listen, I know they wore body cams. Okay. I know that they did. They, something happened to that footage. Okay. Whatever. But anyway, on this, what they gave back uh, to Beth, which she had shared with me is there was witness names. There was about six witnesses on this sheet. So three names, or actually, let me say all, all the names were basically blocked out. But what I, what I thought of in, in my head was Aaron Solomon was the first quote unquote witness they talked to. And then um, the employee Drew Hall was another quote unquote witness they spoke to. And then a third would have been Tyler Marks, the other, the other employee. And then there was three more that were blacked out. Do they have, do those people have any uh, tie into the school or to his, his uh, career as a sportscaster or anything that would have been able to say like, Oh, you guys are partners in crime and something else. So of course you'd be accomplices or any, any connection. Well, you mean Tyler Marks and Drew, Drew Hall. I mean, yeah, the people, you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, for a while when I started this podcast, I was really trying to protect everybody's name because I wasn't sure if I, this would draw negative attention. I really try to be respectful. And then I slowly realized that this information, this is, you can find this very easily. Um, and so I started saying their names. I started reaching out to them. Uh, I reached out to Drew Hall. I reached out to Tyler Marks. They they didn't answer me. Um, but no, they were kids, right? They didn't have any uh, connection to Aaron Solomon. I mean, Tyler Marks, after this whole thing, he he left the country, I believe, to go work for some uh, baseball thing in Australia. And then WPI no longer exists. I think you saw it. It was bought out by somebody else. And um, Drew Hall, I don't know what he's doing, but I do know that he gave that interview to reporter Alex Willis, which I played on the podcast. And I think I think it's conflicting. I think Drew made di- different statements. And um, at one point he said, oh, I went outside because they were parked funny. I noticed that they were parked funny. And then, um, you know, he says, I, I run inside and I, I call my manager and um, to, to tell them what's going on. And, and that's that. So it, I, I don't know. I just don't, I, I felt like on the 911 call, I felt like Aaron was talking to one of them when he said, I don't know. Yeah, it's my son. It's my son. And then the other thing is that that was conflicting is that Drew said he didn't know about any appointment that Aaron had, but Tyler did. I mean, is that kind of weird? These are very expensive appointments and so you're much, both there early so in the morning. So much weird. Yeah. It's and nobody weird was where- there. Nobody else yeah. was there, yeah, and, and and so far away. You didn't have to do that, but but how did things stay in the ditch? His sunglasses, the phone. I mean, aren't those usually collected as evidence, stuck in a bag like I see on TV all the time? And then all of a sudden, it's like we're going to check for fingerprints and we're going to check for who he texted last and who was last seen with and pictures he's had on social media. Anything, especially yeah. a phone. How did they stay in the ditch for a day or two and then mysteriously show up with a friend? Yeah, that's just going back to shoddy police work. That is mind-blowing i mean mind and the murder weapon the murder uh, weapon would be the truck and the bat how come it wasn't impounded oh and investigated, especially since it supposedly jumped out of park into neutral or reverse maybe i mean once they found it at wow. auction that black box was conclusive it didn't switch gears so then let's nope. sue let's sue the manufacturer let's sue pfizer if that's who it was like why hasn't angie decided to go 
the product liability route since apparently the the the, the murder weapon is the truck well the truck did not malfunction uh, a private uh forensic investigator looked into that the truck didn't malfunction um and this was months after keep in mind aaron solomon stuck with the statement that the truck must have malfunctioned yet he drove it around months after uh the accident can you imagine that driving the creepy. truck that killed yeah. your son yeah uh yeah. after saying it was malfunction no she she concluded that it was it did not malfunction um but his hat his and goggles glasses and his phone if you watch the eulogy done by aaron solomon and, and you know i I I do give um I don't want I, I everybody grieves differently so I am respectful of that and I cannot imagine losing a child I don't even want to think about it um but I can't imagine going up there and over explaining the way he did and this could be because he's a news anchor and he's used to performing um or because maybe he heard people talking and he felt the need to like explain this. But I felt that the way he said, oh, and I just want to say that, you know, there is a man that just happened to know my good friend, Lee Lynch, you know, Lee Lynch, Holly Thompson's husband, his ex co-anchor, um, just happened to know him. And he just happened to be at WPI and saw Grant stuff. And then he gave it to Lee and he said, you know what, because I saw that, because I found his stuff i believe in god now i grant has touched me so much i'm like what why is that important to to say that your friend of a friend uh an hour away from where you all live found your son's stuff that was it, it just it's it doesn't add up it doesn't make sense did anybody ever investigate that guy because i only know that story from the eulogy did anyone ever call him and say hey is that accurate did you actually stumble upon grant stuff collect it yeah. and hand it over to him a week later i mean me personally like i think i so i reached out to when i first started this i reached out to aaron solomon um i think it was via email or linkedin right when i was about to do this podcast and i was like hey can I interview you and get and get your side of things to no response. And then at one other time, I, I reached out to the administration at Grace Christian Academy, which also no response. Um, you know, I think that getting the name of the, of this person probably could be done. I just don't know how effective it would be and, and what, um, what we would do with with that info but i think yeah at, at some point maybe maybe we should but i think anyone that's listening right now that is maybe on the other side of this and has information um as to why grant's death does make sense i want to hear it because right now we're all on the same page except for law enforcement and except for the government and the politicians that's well, what i can understand and i want to know why I if the know. FBI ever picks this up or the Department of Justice and let's just say Aaron does get convicted, there's going to be a lot of accomplices that are going to have to get, you know, have to answer for this, too, as to where they were not only the guy who picked up the stuff at the scene, but then, of course, the school and being complicit and not following the laws and making sure. Now, here's another question I had. I listened and I kept listening and I kept listening, waiting for you to mention it because yeah. you had gone to Gallatin PD, you had gone to Franklin PD. I think you've been in contact with Mayor Moore here in Franklin. You've talked to the, some people at the school, parents and whatnot. I didn't hear a lot about the TBI. 
Why has yeah. the TBI not been involved in this if the sheriffs and the police are not doing their job or the DAs or the attorney generals? Isn't that what they're supposed to do? Yeah, so I believe Jeff Long is at the TBI. Um, not helpful. That's all I'll say yeah. about that. Just shrugs his shoulders and be like, not my problem. Okay, interesting. I mean, That's he's horrifying because it's a murder. Or well, he's communicated with Angie Solomon um, years ago, years ago. And um, yeah, not helpful. Um, and this might be before, I think he's recently at the TBI, but but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Um, I don't know that name. So yeah. Yeah, I could be wrong. But I, I do well, believe somebody was in contact with him and just unhelpful. All so, right. Well, here's the mystery. Uh, and, but and like don't, I yeah, don't call me okay. on that. I won't hold you, but you know, we, we don't have a ton of time. And like I said, we could do this for five hours. You've got 40 plus, maybe a hundred plus in the bank. Uh, people should really listen to it, but you know, it's clear from your show, no one in Tennessee from local to state or police or the school or anyone wants to get involved and help you or Angie for that matter, obviously, or Gracie, really, this is what it's all about. She's the, the surviving victim. Um, who has helped you and... <sighs> I don't even know how to ask this question, but um, do you think, I know Nancy Grace has taken a look at it, but does anybody, anybody in Tennessee even remotely show interest in justice here? Um, Justin Canoe from the Tennessee Holler definitely has showed um, interest and has helped post about this, this case. So this is where, this is where it gets political. Um, you know, Gloria Johnson has has retweeted some of the things that we've we've tweeted. Nancy Grace, you know, the episode is still illegal that they recorded because it's tough with a big media conglomerate when no arrests have been made. Right. It, it, it's tough. We see everything that's happening here. But um, that and that's also why we've had to go a lot of different routes with, you know, not so much focus on the accident uh but but other focuses with things we can prove right now um but you know i've been really disappointed when it comes down to i don't know i i wasn't planning on like i said getting political here but um what why is it that conservatives have a hard time calling out other conservatives and republicans i mean i have zero problem with it. I call out every party. I literally don't care. It's about doing the right thing. Um, you know, I, I'm friendly with, uh, Bernard Carrick, uh, who's a former NYPD police commissioner. And I just said, you know, he's been on the Sean Ryan show. And I'm like, I really could use his help to weigh in here. He's got a really powerful voice. And, um, he mentioned it to Sean and I don't think Sean was interested because I never heard from him. And, and sure, that's fine. I, I reached out to Robbie Starbuck, who, you know, always is talking about saving children and him and his wife are doing all these things to save children. And they're talking about the border and this and that. And I'm like, I'm trying to save the children in your state and in your community. But because these people are connected to, let's say, um, you know, whatever, the people at GCA or GC, it's like nobody wants to touch it. So, um, that's been pretty disappointing. Cool. The the person I'll say that's also impressed me in this because she is a staunch Republican and she uh, was, you know, uh, <laughs> a Trump spokesperson is, is Scotty Nell Hughes. Scotty's been amazing. Scotty, um, you know, she... I, I reached out to her. Yeah. 
Yeah, she's she's wonderful. And she sent this letter for me to the DA. And and, you know, it's I feel bad because it's awkward for her, too. She's in a weird position, but she is, uh, you know, she has the smarts and she has the integrity to say, you know what, guys, this is not right. What's going on here is not right. And someone needs to fix it or address it here and, and truthfully address it, not to say, yeah, we looked into it. Case closed. Tell us why. Give us information. Yeah, I mean, we've all heard, obviously, the cliche, circle the wagons, obviously, the school could do that to try to protect its integrity. And then the old boys club where everybody's kind of connected, and we want to make sure but I, I did a little yeah. looking, Aaron Solomon never made more than 55k as a, a journal or a TV sports guy. So it's not like he was, you know, uh, Carrie Underwood or some huge, you know, huge mover and shaker guy that had to be protected. I have this weird thing that I found. There's this picture. It's really weird. I don't even know what it means, but it's it's Berger, who's not there anymore. So why they're trying to protect him, I don't understand. He's not even there anymore. His wife and Governor Lee. But listen to this. This is the caption under the picture, and this is from um, – yeah. uh, well, I'll tell you in a second. Uh, where did I find that? Uh, TN.com. TN.com. Pastor Steve Berger Center sits with Governor Lee left, his wife Sarah Wright, and former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo not pictured. It literally says that, not pictured. That is so weird to me because at, at an August yeah. 7th Williamson County Republican Party event by Alexander Willis, August 31st, 2021, he was the director of the Central Intelligence Agency, the only person I can think of on planet Earth that could make everything disappear like this and be so well-connected when you don't make a ton of dough unless you're Jeffrey Epstein, is this story. What in the heck? And I am not suicidal. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, yeah, so Aaron, you know, he worked as a money manager after where I'm assuming he made more money. Uh, he also was left of inheritance from his aunt, but I don't think this has anything to do with money and I probably just leave it there. Well, it's never too late to do the right thing. So hopefully uh, the word will go out. Hopefully this new parents petition will, will shake the tree again and we'll get some maybe new law enforcement involved. Um, your new season is going to come out. People are going to listen to it. And I sure hope my listeners do too. There are other stories. It's about five or six different Folks following this, uh, Tennessee has other problems. It's not just that school. We have had so many stories of youth pastors who have been busted or the soccer coach here in Franklin who was well-known for a long time and had his phone all accidentally looked into and all of a sudden, oh my gosh, where are these victims? I don't even know. It's as if we hear about the perpetrator, but then the victim disappears, sort of like this. So, And we got human trafficking problems that An An Anglican Watch is on. So it's not going away. It's going to be a thing um, until either innocence or guilt is proven. Um, and I just want to thank you for doing it and caring all the way in New York, you know, the big city, and then caring about little Tennessee and, and trying to help Gracie, who we didn't even get a chance to talk about. But she is the true uh, future of this story and, and probably the most harmed uh, mm. no matter what, because she lost her brother, no matter whether it was an accident or, or not, she lost her brother and her whole family is destroyed so it's it's a terrible thing and angie of course too yeah. anyway not enough time i told you there wouldn't no, be enough time yes. in 46 minutes. no you're right and I, and I do want to say one thing just once again um in terms of like angie and um and i i say this just because like as a parent and and i think all parents should put themselves in a position 
of Angie, where you are being told over and over that um, something that truly does not make sense, case closed. Your firstborn, your baby, you have to literally go to bed every night knowing that you you can't know the truth, you won't know the truth, and nobody wants to tell you the truth. So um, it's, yeah, it's it's a tough pill to swallow. And and that's why I just want to reiterate, no no one is sitting here pointing every finger at one person. It's it's like, just tell us what's going on or, or mm-hmm. show us what you did to investigate this so we can sleep, right? If you show us and you've got the proof, you've got the evidence that's irrefutable, that it happened the way he said it happened, then great, we'll all go home, okay? But until then... And the fact that it's it happened in Gallatin, which is Sumner County, and he lives in Williamson County here in front of an hour and a half away, and yet can can basically tell two police departments nothing to see here, folks. That's that's amazing. Yeah. That's a lot of juice, let's just say. All right. Well, Liz, thank you for your time. <laughs> Hope to have you on again someday. Hopefully yeah, we can definitely. celebrate justice for that. So tell everyone where they can go to find out more about you and follow your social media and your work. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, Conlin underscore Lauren. You can follow me on Instagram, Lauren Emily Conlin. Uh, my website, laurenconlin.com and the Corruption Podcast and the Outlier Podcast. Those are my two live podcasts right now. Fantastic. And you do a great job. All right. Thanks Thank again. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye. With Columbia, Tennessee-based EnergizeHealth.com, you lose fat fast, simply and naturally without restrictive exercise or cardboard dry, tasteless food. Revolutionize your health with this proprietary 88-day science from John and Chelsea Jubilee. People report getting off medications and reversing ailments. Energy, mental clarity, and alertness go through the roof. Look and feel many years younger and oftentimes unrecognizable. I know. I'm an alumnus and lost 70 pounds of fat with John and Chelsea and wouldn't have energy to do three shows a week without it. Hit the link in show notes for your free consultation and discount. Money back guarantee so you have nothing to lose but unhealthy fat. EnergizedHealth.com. I don't understand how you ever did without me. I don't understand how I bring you down to your knees. Welcome to the Steve and Steve segment of our show. Producer Steve, what do you think of our guest, Liz Conlon? Um, there we go. I'll get myself off the um, the mute uh, button. Yeah, there we go. Back up for a minute, Steve. You guys jumped right into something that I have no clue what you guys are talking about. So I'm going to be the uh, <clears throat> that was that was the hard part. But you got to go listen to her show to get it all. But yeah, I take it that what you're talking about is the death of a young man that has a lot of very very strange circumstances tied to it. And that no one, that the police are saying it's all taken care of, it was an accident. But the fact is they covered everything up. And what you're saying is no autopsy, no nothing, no too many things. So it seems to me much like the kind of things you would see on TV. Uh, the investigator would come in and start poking it's around. Twin Peaks. It's, Bar- Twin it's Peaks. It's like Barnaby Jones coming in and finding out that, oh, well, 
I, I was looking for a jewel heist, but it turns out that this person's doing this person with this person, and they're all colluding, and it's a little town, and the next thing you know, we've got a whole can of worms. That's it. That's it. That's it. It's, it's uh, in, in the absence of evidence, you get speculation, and so it's all alleged, but everybody's running around. Uh, the church split up. The pastor who founded it uh, is a mega church, lots of money involved in that church. Some of the celebrities we mentioned go there or did. Um, and the school is there. A lot of the famous kids kids are there, famous people. Is that the there. same school that the shooter went to? No, no. And I would have liked to have gotten into that because, because the, there's the, another, the cover up is very similar. It, it, I was going to say we had an individual on your show who opened up a can of worms of some things that she had said that might have been going on there. And now it sounds like there may have been a can of worms at this school. Before, this is before that. So yes, there may have been a can of worms that, that this other Christian school uh, may or may not have. But all we do know is that a boy died and a lot of circumstances that make no sense. And then, of course, when you start looking at who these people are and who their friends are and who they work with, you start saying, hmm, there's a lot of there's a lot of weird stuff going on here. And again, in the absence of evidence, you get speculation. So I I don't know. I'm not a I'm not an investigative, even journalist, much less uh, investigator. But the police wouldn't do anything. That's the that's the tragedy. So this poor woman who lost her son and had to drive an hour to the local hospital that he was taken to didn't even get to sign off on no autopsy the husband did the ex-husband at the time whether or not he did it we don't know why he would do that other than that's weird and then you know he bought three graves right next to each other right next to the boys and like we'll be together as a family again this is all from the podcast i didn't have firsthand knowledge of this so it's all very horrifying and terrible and um all, not all my stories can be happy Tennessee stories. Sometimes weird things happen here. So, yeah. Um, um, the, the other thing is, she did make a point of stating that um, why is it that Republicans have a tendency to circle the wagons? We always talk about that being the Democrats. You know, they always go off the same page. But we have discovered, and you have. I think it's PTSD. To be, I know where you're going with that. I think it's PTSD. Basically, they know that the media who stacked up against them, the Democrats for sure, who hate them, are going to pounce and attack them any which way they can. So whenever they find them, their own little club has a problem, they don't want the rumor to get out there because that gives the other side all that much more fodder to actually scream and yell at them. You know, we had the situation here where the Speaker of the House may or may not live in the district that he um, represents. And so, well, as soon as that got out, you, Republicans aren't going to give them a hard time about that. But the other side sure is, especially in a super minority state like they are. And the press, which is a majority of the press. We've talked to Brandon Lewis about that many times. So that's my hunch is just like Democrats circle the wagons around themselves. Republicans do, too. It's just sometimes it's kind of icky because a lot more Christians are Republicans and they would be Democrat. And so you're also going to get into the church and the school, Christian schools and school vouchers and a lot of that other stuff where you're supposed to be purer than Caesar's wife, which is impossible. We all know that we're all sinners. We're all failed. But in politics, 
you give them an inch, I'll take a mile. They will cut your throat when the blood's in the water. And that's what this is. That's, that's, that's my humble opinion. I don't know anything. I didn't know these people. This all happened yeah. before I got here, but I've learned that nobody wants to be forthcoming because they know that it's just going to be uh, giving the lion some red meat. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I don't know. I, I do know that um, within both parties, there's a lot of corruption, a lot of perversion, a lot of you name it. It's people being bought off, paid off, and we've seen this with on a federal level with the J six poor people, J six being in jail, prisoned, and with hundreds of more people. I just we just interviewed somebody the other day on the on the flame, and it comes up find out there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more people. Money's been set aside on a federal level to go after all the other ones that haven't been hunted yeah. down yet. And, and the Republican Party has been mute, moot on that whole thing. And I'm like, why why are you being moot on that? What is the deal here? So I tend to have a little more jaded a, approach to that, Steve. I understand the circling of the wagons, but I think it's much deeper. I think there's just, I think there's massive corruption in a lot of videotapes of a lot of individuals or information on individuals because power corrupts and what happens is you get in those positions and you also have that power pleasure and pride issue and you put those three together and profit and i think a lot of people there was a tweet today from somebody that follows that story very closely that says odds are you know i speculated that maybe he's in the in the in the government and you know he's protected sort of for to do other things to to not get brought down like that but he also may have a lot of dirt on a lot of people. And so they don't want to um, attack him because he might attack back. And of course, if he gets arrested and goes to jail, he might say, I'm taking everybody with me. Who knows? He may we know, don't know a lot of that. I mean, we'll never know until we know. Yeah. But it has happened before and a lot of conspiracy theories have come true on this show. So. Hello, I'm Dr. Ming Wang, ophthalmologist from Nashville, Tennessee, and you're listening Mill Creek View Podcast. Time for my quotes for the day. Before I share, I want to remind everyone to subscribe to Mill Creek View Podcast. Just go to Rumble or Spotify or iTunes, search for Mill Creek View, and hit the subscribe button. I really hope you like it. And you can join the conversation at Mill Creek View on Twitter and Facebook anytime. After a victim has reported a crime to the police, many people believe that the decision whether or not to charge the suspect with a crime and then prosecute the suspect is the prerogative of the victim. News media often contribute to this misconception in stories about rape victims by reporting that a victim declined to press charges. In fact, the criminal justice system gives victims no direct say in the matter. It's the police, for the most part, who decide whether a suspect should be arrested and prosecutors who ultimately determine whether a conviction should be pursued. John Krakauer, his most popular book is Into the Wild. Um, Arkansas Dent uh, had told Betsy that in DC, there were two ways to murder policy without appearing to have committed a crime. One was cobwebbing in which a person with an idea, usually a young and bright person with a good new idea, would fall victim to the surrounding bureaucrats who would exclaim, 
why that's a good idea and throw out a web of reporting requirements, consulting requirements, or new budgeting procedures. Soon the person and his idea would be totally immobilized by a shimmering silken cocoon to be put away and devoured another day. The second method was the interagency task force. Neil Stevenson, Termination, Termination Shock, a novel. That's a good one. So Meyer Lansky was Hyman Roth. Was Marlon Brando Frank Costello? The confusion was compounded when quite serious newspapers started incorporating Godfather comparisons into their reporting on organized crime. Robert Lacey. That's about Little Man, Meyer Lansky, and the gangster. Rape is a unique crime representing both a physical and psychological violation. More than with any other crime, the victim can experience reporting rape as a form of victim re-victimization. In no other crime is the victim subject to so much scrutiny at trial where the most likely defense is that the victim consented to the crime. Powerful stereotypes function to limit the definition of what counts as real rape. Kelly L. Lovett, uh, a gap or a chasm attributed in reporting rape cases. London Home Office Research Development and Statistics Directorate, Liz Kelly, Elizabeth A. Kelly is a British professor and director of the Child and Women of Youth Studies Unit, London Metropolitan University and co-chair of the End of Violence Against Women Coalition. That's it for this episode. Thank you, Lauren Conlon, for telling us the truth about small town America and good luck getting justice for Grant. Sometimes it takes an outsider. That is goodbye for now. I am your host, Steve Abramowitz, editor-in-chief of mcview.us. See you all next week. Peace in our time and glory to God. Any views or opinions represented on the podcast are personal and belong solely to the creator and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the creator may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated.